if you realize that overperforming probably won't make you happy, that would be really helpful. The same thing with getting rich or being famous. I, I when I'm 23, I'm in Entrepreneur Magazine, uh, and you know my picture's in there. I'm like, oh look at me, I'm famous, and I was happy for like 10 minutes, and then I made six million bucks when I'm 26, and I look at a friend, I'm like, I'll be happy when I have 10 million dollars. Like, what a douchebag, right? The idea here is that if you're building a routine so that you'll achieve something so that then you'll be happy, you're doing your routine for the wrong reason. You wanna do the routine for yourself, but it's not that doing the routine is going to make you happy. It's not gonna get you something that's gonna make you happy. The goal is to be happy. So if the routine feeds that, that's great, but it won't be the source of it. listening to the Routine Project Podcast, where I, your host, Justin Crawford, am getting into the minds of today's leading entrepreneurs, thought leaders, celebrities, and so many more with one mission in mind, understanding their routines so we can get into building the ones that make the most sense for us. This is the one podcast that's hyper-focused on routines and routines only. What's cool is I feel like we're learning with the guests of the show because sometimes they come on here and they don't even know that they have these routines. I'm excited you're here to learn something new, so thank you for clicking play wherever you're tuning in. Now here's today's episode. My friends, I'm joined by the legendary biohacker, and that is Dave Asprey. So I've interviewed Dave twice. Uh, I'm obsessed with Dave. I think you'll be obsessed with him after this interview gets done, but welcome to the Routine Project Podcast. Uh, and Dave, thank you for saying yes to me for the third time. Uh, we're going to get into biohacking your life. Uh, I want to know all about your routines and rituals, and it's not questions I've asked you in the past, so I feel like we're doing this all over again together. Uh, but more importantly, you got so many other exciting projects and, and a new butter coffee empire that you've been building that I tasted last year that I'll never forget. And that is called Danger Coffee. Uh, so we're going to talk a lot about that as well. There's an upcoming biohacking conference. Look at him sipping on it right now. See, this is just like why I love Dave. One of the most casual people uh, that I've ever met, yet one of the most dynamic and high-performing people I've ever had the pleasure to interview. Um, so let's get started, Dave. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure, Justin. You know, this show has been rooted in routines since I even thought to bring it to life. And you, as another fellow podcaster and someone who does a lot of stuff in the media, um, there has to be routines and rituals. So I'd like to start there with you in terms of what you feel like have been the most impactful routines for you and why you've kept them for so long. And then I have so many other questions lined up right behind that. All right. Um, one of the most important things is tracking your sleep. And you could say, well, yeah, that, that's all over the world of biohacking. Yeah, uh, but if you go back like 15 years, I used to sleep with this headband that was maybe not Victoria's Secret approved. And I've been tracking my sleep for 15 years. I was CTO of the first company to get heart rate from your wrist the way your iPhone does today because of sleep tracking, because I sucked at sleep. And frankly, because I don't really want to sleep more than is necessary, right? I don't want to be tired, but I would like to get better sleep in less time. So for me, tracking my nightly, uh, just how good of a job did I do on sleeping so I can just know, that makes a huge difference in how you feel the next day and what you do. And so the routine is actually knowing how I slept so I can change my routine based on my readiness state. And, and this is such a big deal that my company called Upgrade Labs, which is a franchise that's opening across the country, look, 
no one can go to the gym and say, here's the right routine workout for me. Look, if you're recovering, if you just finished your period, if you're jet lagged, you have all kinds of stuff going on, you're biologically in a different state. And could it be that some days you're ready to take more than other days? And some days you just need more recovery and less pushing? And, and what routines have done for me uh, when I weighed 300 pounds, my routine was I will go to the gym for 90 minutes a day, no matter what, unless I'm in the hospital. And if I had, you know, a sinus infection or final exams, it didn't matter. I went to the gym. And after 18 months of that, I was overtrained. I still weighed 300 pounds and I had an autoimmune condition. Like it didn't work for weight loss. I was strong. Right. And that's the problem. I didn't take into account where I was. So the biggest thing I could do is track your sleep so you know how hard to push the next day. And now there's a whole you know, concept around, oh, let's choose the interventions each day based on what you're doing. And you can do that at a facility like Upgrade Labs or just at home. The routine for me now is I set aside 45 minutes to an hour each morning for a biohack. And it may be a high intense one if that's what my body wants. And it may be something that's more restorative or more meditative because that's what my body or my mind wants. So that's that's the first thing. Set aside the time to do the right thing versus deciding the right thing in advance and then doing it even if it's not the right thing anymore. And that's what most of us do, especially when we're younger. It's certainly what I did in my 20s because I knew the right answer. You just got to say, hey, the right answer is going to change on a daily basis just like your biology does. Accept that, but what is not negotiable is time to do the upgrade. Mm. And then there's two other elements too. I know you've always talked about, which is intermittent fasting, and then just being able to implement certain biohacking tools. Yet nootropics, like just other medicines, into oh, your daily. Yeah, routine. okay. Let Let's talk about that. And by the way, I, I should say um, for the sleep one, there's a lot you can do. To, if you're like, oh, I did sleep like crap. What should I do to fix that? Mm -hmm. If you go to sleepwithdave.com. I will teach you for free everything I know about sleep. And that's like a two week little mini course challenge around just getting more sleep in less time. And it's also my favorite URL of all time because it's hilarious. But uh, I mean, how can sleep with Dave? Drive you to <laughs> yeah, there's only 75,000 people have slept with me. It's, it's you know, a little bit, a little bit uh, naughty sounding, right? Um, but that's how many people have done the sleep challenge. And then there's, uh, there's also intermittent fasting. And again, this is something that's now in vogue and everyone's talking about it. If you read my original Bulletproof Diet book that's helped people lose 2 million pounds <laughs> at this point, it has intermittent fasting built in as part of also don't eat inflammatory stuff. You can't do intermittent mm -hmm. fasting and live on cotton candy and soybean oil. It doesn't work. It, well, it actually works kind of, but not as well as if you stick it with the right food. So if you take like the grass-fed elements of carnivore, the low inflammation plant-based things um, that have been a part of the Bulletproof diet, and you add intermittent fasting, almost everyone is like, I got a brain upgrade, right? So skipping breakfast is important, but here's why my book on fasting is called Fast This Way, because you cannot say the best fast for everyone is a routine of 18, uh, 18 6, which means you don't eat for 18 hours, only eat in a six-hour window. Dude, it changes based yeah. on your day, based on your workouts. It, so the, the deal is more than 12 hours, at least three days a week is beneficial and it goes up from there, but it doesn't always go up. You can overdo any of these biohacks, including smart drugs, including fasting. And I see it over and over. When men overdo something, let's say you put it in your routine, like one of these things like 75 hard, like I'm just gonna do it no matter what, that is a, a recipe for overtraining. 
And it's, it's not actually kind to your biology. And what you want to do is we have this concept of homeostasis, like, like your body itself regulates, right? And a good intervention is to push it to almost the point of dysregulation. And so it'll get stronger. But if you push it over the point of dysregulation, it was no longer beneficial training. And it takes, well, data, and it takes a certain felt sense that you learn from wisdom over time from learning how your body works. Uh, but it's far too easy, especially for young people, especially for young men, to just push themselves way out of equilibrium because like my willpower is so strong, I'm just gonna do it. But then you pay for it, and sometimes you pay for it for a long time. And so it's that that's why a routine can be dangerous if it's a routine that's set by this ego-based, hyper-aggressive thing versus continuous path of most improvement without going over. And for me, that's been the challenge, is not breaking myself in the context of self-improvement. And then, and then you think about when you were in your 20s and you'd mentioned kind of like you've probably learned this over time, but when you look at folks who are doing the overperformance, the ones who are overdoing like, and honestly, critically damaging their bodies sometimes to just high perform, quote unquote, uh, what, what have been some of the remedies that you've seen them come out of that with, um, especially as it pertains to like what you've built really? Well, the first thing you want to do is you want to look at psychology around that because you're going to keep doing it over and over. So that comes down to proving you're good, you're good enough for mommy or daddy uh, or the bullies in whatever fifth, sixth, seventh grade. Like those are the big ones. Uh, and if you, uh, if you realize that overperforming probably won't make you happy, that would be really helpful. The same thing with getting rich or being famous. I, I, when I'm 23, I'm in Entrepreneur Magazine. Uh, and you know, my picture's in there. I'm like, oh, look at me, I'm famous. And I was happy for like 10 minutes. And then I made 6 million bucks, so I'm 26. And I look at a friend, I'm like, I'll be happy when I have $10 million. Like, what a douchebag, right? The idea here is that if you're building a routine so that you'll achieve something so that then you'll be happy, you're doing your routine for the wrong reason. You wanna do the routine for yourself, but it's not that doing the routine is going to make you happy. It's not gonna get you something that's gonna make you happy. The goal is to be happy. So if the routine feeds that, that's great, but it won't be the source of it. So a daily practice that increases your likeliness to be happy is a good thing. And an example there, um, something that is also kind of at the core of, of my work over the last 15 or so years, it's get some cold exposure. No, you don't have to do what I, I first tried doing, which is well, if cold is good, more must be better, right? So I'll just be cold all the time. That is the path to being weak and sick and actually overstressing the body. But these brief bouts of intense cold are really good for you. It's a part of what we do at Upgrade Labs. We have cryotherapy there and I help to popularize cryotherapy. But what you could do is you could say, you know what? I'm just gonna do a one minute cold shower every morning with the water hitting my forehead and my chest. And if you do that, over the course of three days, it'll change some core biological functions in your cell membranes, but more importantly, it'll change the number and uh, uh, sensitivity of dopamine receptors. These are things that make you happy, right? So you mean I'll be less likely to be addicted? Yes, it does that. I'll be less inflamed, but my happiness triggers got easier because I did a one minute cold shower. You're like, oh, I could do that. Other routines. Yes, I drink my freaking coffee. Uh, 
because dozens and dozens of studies show that it's good for you on almost every level, including mm -hmm. longevity, reduction of all-cause mortality, uh, and the list goes, it helps with intermittent fasting, and the list goes on and on. So you can say, I don't like coffee. Well, look, you eat kale, you don't like that, right. and it's not even good for you. So I don't care if you like coffee, drink some anyway. There you go. <laughs> what have been, uh, if you could give us maybe three other almost rituals or, or biohacks, really, that, that folks should lean into as opposed to just like a nice to have this is almost like what have become your have to haves uh are there maybe three or some on other you know others all right track your sleep and intermittent fasting would have to be there mm -hmm. um, and then which includes basically skip your breakfast and this is going to sound kind of funny because yes i started a giant coffee company my new coffee company is called danger coffee mm -hmm. uh, but Seriously, a cup of coffee in the morning for the vast majority of human beings is a ritual. And if you're not one of those, probably green tea, just because you need the polyphenols. Like it, it is foundational. Right now, most Americans get the vast majority of their colored compounds, you know, those you know, colored fruits and vegetable things you're supposed to eat. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of it comes from coffee or tea for almost everyone. So maybe add some chocolate in there. <laughs> but don't don't kid yourself that you had some kind of hummus with a sprinkling of whatever on there and you thought you got your polyphenols. No, just drink your coffee, drink your tea, use a lot of herbs, you'll be fine. I think that's critically important if you want to function for a long time. Um, the other routine that I do that is almost a negative routine, you, you have to avoid the stuff that provably makes you weak and seed oils, omega-6 oils are that. So if you're eating fried stuff at restaurants, that is a routine that will punch you in the face. And you might as well just smoke a cigarette and don't eat the French fries because the cigarette causes less inflammation. It's only about eight hours of inflammation versus 48 hours for the French fries. So seriously, heroin too that doesn't mean that they should have it like it, liking it is not an excuse for eating it find something else you like get the potatoes and put some freaking butter on them okay that's acceptable deep fried in canola and corn and soybean oils actually causes so much harm to your hormones to your brain to everything else that is a, a routine that undoes the positive routines so when you go to a restaurant you go to a, a store that sells allegedly healthy stuff if it's got canola corn or soybean oil you don't eat it. That means the hot bar at a lot of places is out because they always use that. And most commercial salad dressings use toxic oils. Just don't eat them anymore. So your routine is I only eat good fats. And wow, talk about a difference in your skin quality, how you feel, how you show up, how you can focus, uh, the quality of your testosterone production, whether you're a man or a woman, all of that is in there. It, it's a big deal. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. And you want to be sure that you have access to 100% of the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. I'll tell you, we're not always looking for that many people in a small business company, but when we do, we ended up leaning into LinkedIn Jobs and it was one of the most easy and cool experiences to navigate. For instance, we were looking for a marketing specialist to help us with all of our sales and a lot of what's happening on this very podcast. And all we had to do was simply upload the job description and use the purple hashtag hiring frame for LinkedIn profiles to spread the word. And that's what happened. And it was so easy to find the right person to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it so easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. We all want to finish the year strong with the right team, don't we? And we don't want to have to go through so much hassle knowing that there's only so many days left in the year. 
And it's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash routine project. That's linkedin.com slash routine project to post your job for free today. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah. And then you bring up the word functionality uh, a moment ago, which is that's when I think of you and when I watch you speak, when I, when I see you speak or live about your life, I, I think the word function all the time, how has that played into your routines and ultimately your whole life? Cause I feel like when, and then I've just, I've known this from having chatted with you before you're, you're so you're cognitive behavior has to be at a sky high because of the routines and things that you've implemented into your life. You know, I used to have serious brain fog in my mid twenties. I bought disability insurance. It was so bad. And the insurance company of the doctors we talked about, I'm like, look, there's nothing wrong with me, but I just feel like I can't remember stuff. So I don't know what's going on here, but like, I'm don't know if I'd want to hire myself, but like I pass every test. I could just tell something wasn't right. So I decided that I would uh, do something about it. And I bought some smart drugs from Europe. Um, it was about, I don't know, 1200 bucks. And it came in this brown wrapped bag. And I took them and said, these things don't work. And then I stopped taking them. And I said, oh, that's funny. I forgot words again. Because what happens when your brain works, when you do almost any cognitive enhancing activity, even up to including like my brain upgrade facility called 40 Years of Zen, where like mm. 1,500 entrepreneurs go there. Um, when you're done, you're like, oh, this is how I always was. And everyone around you is like, no, it's not. Because when your brain works better, it feels natural. You just feel more like you. Mm. And then when you stop doing the thing that makes a difference, you're like, oh my God, I remember what it was like to be addled this way. I don't want to be like that. So you should recognize that if your routines are working, it reduces friction in your life, right? So everything is just like, wow, how did this happen? This is so cool. I just didn't have to try, I didn't have to push. I, I was gliding, right? And that's what it feels like when it's really working. There's, there's ultra hyper-focused states and you can take things like modafinil and some of the other smart drugs and peptides that I've written about. There's a whole book, my book is called Headstrong and how to upgrade your brain. And it's, it's like the potential there for people saying, I don't know why I opened the refrigerator. I don't know why I went to the store. I know I came into this room to get something. What was I going to say? I had all of that and I don't have any of that stuff. And I had that at half my age today. So you can, if, if I could go from 300 pounds with that kind of brain fog and fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue and all that stuff, if I could go to where I am today, it's going to be a lot easier for you. Mm. And speaking of age too, something else I had to bring up is a lot of folks, when I, I said earlier, I was like, biohacking legend, Dave is here. And that is like not even a loose title for, for what you've been able to do because something you're also known for is you've managed to reverse your age, which is not something, I mean, if you're listening right now, coming from Dave's side of the house or ours, I mean, how, right? So then before the how, uh, why did you decide, you know what, I'm going to try and live the most fruitful, uh, young version of myself going forward, especially having dealt with as much brain fog. And like you'd said, you got disability uh, based around what you were experiencing at the, the younger age. And so why did you ultimately decide that you wanted to then reverse your age? And then how have you ultimately been able to do so? Well, when I realized that all the advice I'd had, even about routines, like go to the gym every day, no matter what was my routine, it actually provably didn't work. And it wasn't because of a moral failing. It wasn't because I didn't try hard enough. It's because it was just bad advice. 
and it really pissed me off. And I just made a commitment. I'm only going to do what works. I'm going to measure it. And if stuff doesn't work, I'm just going to have the brutal self-honesty to say, let's try something else until I get the results I want. In fact, let's try everything else until I get the results I want. Uh, so, I don't know, you were, you were going somewhere with your question, but I'm not entirely sure what you're digging for. Because I probably had brain fog <laughs> as a 26-year-old. <laughs> but, but I think like when you decided that you were going to try and reverse your age, okay, so you so gave the why, but then the how. Okay, thank you. So what I was looking for, hang out with people three times my age at an anti-aging nonprofit group. And that was, that was crazy because I remember my friend Mike was 88 years old at the time. And he'd call me at 11.39 and be like, Dave, I have this great idea. We got to talk about this. And I'm like, how is it that this old guy has like way more energy than I do? And I watched people reverse their age. And I soon became president and chairman of this nonprofit group where all these like of, of our, our elders were fixing themselves and upgrading themselves. I'm like, this is crazy. And I started using the techniques on myself and I realized that they were performance enhancing techniques. And that was the birth of biohacking was to watch this. So I realized, you know what? It's way less work to stay young than it is to reverse aging. So I'm just going to do that. Even though I had all the diseases of aging before I was 30 anyway. I had arthritis, I had prediabetes, I had high risk of stroke and heart attack uh, and all that stuff going on. And I reversed it all using what these masters taught me. And I said, well, if they could do it, what's it going to look like in the future? Mm -hmm. And then I went back a hundred years and I said, what was it like then? And I'm like, hundred years ago, we were just fighting world war one and we still use horses to fight that. And the first biplanes ever were flying and we didn't have DNA and antibiotics and well, we had DNA, we just couldn't spell it cause we didn't know about it, mm -hmm. but you know, all these things. And so now, if given everything that we've done, everything we know, all the, the company innovations that I'm privy to, all the anti-aging researchers I talk to on a regular basis, mm. with all of that, if we can't do 50% better than our current best, which is 120 years old, it's because a comet hit the planet. Like mm. we have a hundred years to just do a little bit better than we did before. And we have so much tech. The fact you and I can talk, the fact that hundreds of thousands of people can listen to this for free and watch it. This mm. is unprecedented. And all of that got turned on in less than a human lifetime. I know, because I helped to build some of the infrastructure that makes this happen in the first part of my career in Silicon Valley. Like, this didn't exist. You could never have mobile video on your phone. It was a holy grail. And it took hundreds of thousands of engineers lifetimes to get us here. And we're doing that for aging as well. And when you can have Harvard-trained scientists like my friend David Sinclair can stand up and say, I'm working on solving the aging problem. Oh, and we can biologically reverse aging in cells. 25 years ago, they would have pulled his tenure for that. They would have mm. not funded anything. Now though, it's a hot area of funding. So I promise you with 100% certainty that there are people listening to this right now who are gonna be walking around under their own power with fully functional brains, enjoying their lives who are more than 100 years old. It is in the bag. Mm. Assuming, assuming we manage to maintain our topsoil and we stop spraying glyphosate everywhere. That's a different, different issue. A whole nother one. We're going to go into round two with you uh, sooner or later. Uh, as, as we only have so many moments left, though, I know that there's two tests, Dave, will always say that changes the games for biohackers. Could we, could we talk about that for a moment? Absolutely. 
the two tests that you're probably talking about are thyroid and testosterone. Now, these are hormones that can be off at any age. When I say any age, when I was about 25, I went to an anti-aging doctor. And back then, they were very hard to find, but I knew about them because of this nonprofit work I did. And he said, that's weird, Dave. You have almost no detectable thyroid hormone, and your testosterone is lower than your mom. And he actually had my mom's testosterone level. I'm like, oh, that's a problem. Yeah, but here's what those hormones do. And they decline with age, and they just go, oh, that's normal. Right? No, it's not normal unless you want to be old. Right? So what testosterone is in men and women, there's different levels, but it performs the same function. It's the hormone of desire. And yes, bedroom desire is in there, but it's desire to do something that matters, desire to be a good father or mother, desire to do something in the world, just desire to improve yourself. And if you don't have enough testosterone, it's like nothing really matters. And then if you have enough testosterone, but your thyroid is low, your thyroid is the hormone of energy. It's like, you know, things matter, but I'm so tired, it's just too hard to do anything. And the number of men and women who have thyroid problems now is higher than ever before. The autoimmune thyroid condition called Hashimoto's affects women more than men, but more and more men are getting it. And then there's just normal decline with aging. So what you can do is get a test for each of those. And if you're even a little bit low on either one, do something about it. With thyroid, you may be able to take supplements like iodine that can help, but pretty likely at a certain point, if you're over 40, you're just gonna take a little bit of thyroid hormone and it's gonna keep you young. It's gonna keep your energy production like it was in your 30s instead of, mm being like that that movie old men which is a basically a documentary on testosterone deficiency even though it's a comedy right all the stereotypes we have for older people slow low energy gee might that be lack of thyroid and of course old people don't want to get it on except if you talk to people in their 60s and 70s now yeah. let's just say that there's a sti problem at nursing homes and there is because they actually are maintaining sexual function because their hormones oh. are working we yeah. can all have that. Mm. I have to ask the, the then the question of the the episode here. How old do you feel like you feel now? I mean, you fast forward from the time that you decided to kind of not just reverse your 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 own biological being, but ultimately, like how how would you would, could you give a number there? I'm incapable of giving a number there, and here's why: because I felt like shit when I was thirty. Like yeah. literally, I I am. I, in fact, I, I I had arthritis since I was fourteen. I, I was old when I was young, so I would, I would be sad if I felt now like I did when I was 25 because mm. I have less anxiety, I have more energy, I have more brain function, everything in my body works better. Like I'm, I'm lighter, I'm leaner, I have more muscle, uh, everything works better. So mm. like, what did I have back then biologically that I don't have now? I don't know, maybe there's a little bit of like the skin on your face, like, you know, I, I don't think, I feel like I have a ton of, of wrinkles here, but not at all. <laughs> like I'll, I'll take it. And right now, biologically, when you measure my age mm -hmm. using the, the latest tech for that, I'm about 11 and a quarter years younger than my biological age mm -hmm. or than my chronological age. Uh, so I, I just, I, I have to say this, we're living in a world where it's okay for someone to identify as, you know, something else, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so, you know, I, I was born a man, I'm going to identify as a woman, right? And you can do that on forms and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yet they ask you for your age. Now, I identify as a mid-30s guy, 
right? Mm. I, I literally do. Like I have the sex drive in my mid thirties. I have the brain function. I have the desire to do stuff. I have the energy like that. So why do I have to say what my age is chronologically mm. instead of biologically? It, like if we're gonna do it one way, we need to be consistent. And what that means is fuck the calendar. I, I'm not mm -hmm. into that anymore. I, I, I don't do calendar aging because it's not relevant. I know people like me in their twenties who are probably closer to 50 energetically, right? And oh, I yeah. know 50 year olds who are closer to 25 year olds energetically. So maybe that's what matters. And the number of miles on the odometer really doesn't matter. And we've all seen cars that have 50,000 miles that are beat to shit. And we've seen cars that are immaculately maintained that have 50,000 miles that look and drive like they're brand new. Like, I want to be that. And we can leave every listener on this podcast with that thought uh, and that statement. Dave Asprey, I, I said this a second ago. I mean, you're, you're a legend, not just at what you do, but every time I hear you talk, I want to maintain, like you had said, uh, the type of car that that feels just young, and, and you you want to feel like you have a lot more energy, and 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 you inspire a lot of us, not just through what you've said today, uh, but ultimately all the stuff that we have linked below as well, which is where I was going with this now. Uh, if, if, if anything that was nurturing or exciting, or you're even more curious about what David said, uh, we'll link it in the description below. We're also going to link everything about Danger Coffee. I know it's more D2C focused. Hopefully there's like some chains that pop up here and there uh, with brick and mortar yep. with Danger Coffee soon. There, I there know will be. Will, right? Upgrade Labs is going to have Danger Coffee inside it. It's going to be amazing. Upgrade Labs will be below. And then more importantly, the biohacking conference where we first met last year in Orlando is coming up in LA uh, right around the time this podcast is coming out. So guys, literally, if you are interested, you should sign up. I literally went as an attendee. Of course, I interviewed Dave, but more importantly, there's a lot of great companies in the biohacking space and the wellness space overall that then attend this event uh, and it's like any other conference, but ultimately like it's it's a biohacking conference. So which is makes it even more exciting. Uh, we'll do all that below the books that he mentioned will be below his social accounts and everything else about Dave Asprey. Uh, but I want to let you go, my friend. You're a busy guy and you spent the last 30 minutes with me educating people on everything you said. So thank you so much. Thank you, Justin. Hey, it's Justin again. And that concludes today's episode. I hope you learned something new or exciting about routines or at least took something away from the guest I had on the show. Now I've got plenty more episodes coming up on this podcast, so be sure to click that follow button wherever you're listening. Oh, and you know how it goes. The show only gets better when I hear from you. So drop a rating and review and let me know what you loved and maybe what we can do better on this podcast to keep you coming back each week. Now until I get that next episode to you, start building the routines that matter most to you and inspire others to do the same.